0: We finally get some names a part of the Charlotte Hornets coaching search, including one big one we'll talk about in just a moment. Plus, we interview Adam Armbrecht of the Locked On Nets podcast to talk about Kenny Atkinson, who is also one of those potential candidates that could be uh, the next head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. You can check us out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. A lot to get to today. In fact, this entire week, as I mentioned just yesterday or two shows ago, we're going to bring on people to talk about the coaching search, and we're going to bring on people to talk about some of these NBA draft prospects. Keep a lookout for Drake Toll of Locked On Baylor to talk about Jeremy Sohan or So Chan. If you're a Doug Branson, doesn't matter. Jeremy Sohan could be the next pick for the Charlotte Hornets. So keep your eyes out. Keep your ears out for that episode keep it all it, out keep show. everything out uh, to keep some stuff in but keep at least some nope. of things keep it lights. all out now all right we're gonna move on let's talk about this coaching search adrian Wojnarowski, doug he tweeted out yesterday that the charlotte hornets are starting to interview certain candidates and that includes finally mike d'antoni yeah Whoa! finally it has been a while Yeah, mike d'antoni yes this is a shock to you mike d'antoni is in Holy consideration D'Antoni this would be a reunion between Mike D'Antoni along with Mitch Kupchak, and they worked with the Lakers once upon a time. So we'll get to that in just a moment, but there are How'd a couple of games to consider. It didn't work out very well in LA. <laughs> Golden State's Kenny Atkinson is also listed here. Milwaukee's Darvin Ham. And Dallas's Sean Sweetie. Now, we'll get to more with the Kenny Atkinson stuff. He was the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets when they didn't have anything to play for. They finally get to the postseason and pretty impressive appearance for them. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what Kenny Atkinson, I think, brings to the table and assistant for the Clippers and the Warriors as well. Milwaukee's Darvin Ham. He's been an assistant with Mike Budenholzer with the Bucks for a while. Also was an assistant with Boone Holzer during his time with the Atlanta Hawks. And we saw how successful they were, at least in the regular season with that franchise. And then Sean Sweeney considered the architect of the defense, the very improved defense for the Dallas Mavericks this season, uh, really worked his way up from video coordinator too. And so a pretty interesting name as well. We can talk about it in just a moment, Doug, clearly the biggest name is Mike D'Antoni here. How are you feeling? First, um, about this name, and maybe let's just go ahead and get your thoughts on the names as a group before we move on from Mike. Like I, I feel like this is a a good group of guys that the Charlotte Hornets are bringing in to choose from.
1: Yeah, it's not just a good group of guys; it's a serious group of names. Uh, I mean, it, it shows me that the front office really understands the 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 various things that this team needs. To to move forward. And this, to me, represents names that mean that the Charlotte Hornets are serious about getting to the playoffs and winning in the playoffs. And that's why I gravitate towards Mike D'Antoni. I understand the defensive issues, although I will say in certain situations that they were a bit overblown. Like if you look back at those Suns teams way back when, They were running so many possessions that, yes, they allowed teams to score a lot of points against them, but A, their offense was so good it overcame that, and B, their points per possession actually weren't that bad. Like They were middle-of-the-road defensively, 16th, 17th, 18th in terms of points per possession. I'm I'm checking on these numbers in Houston to see if the defense was that bad, but the difference there is you have a situation where you have James Harden who didn't want to win. He didn't want it. I've said that so many times, like James Harden, didn't want it you got some players what? here in, in charlotte What do you mean he, did it? he Wait. didn't want it he didn't want to win a championship i'm just it? telling you
0: what, what, he didn't want it yeah, i, I know mean you're telling i think me. the I'm
1: evidence not... is pretty borne out on that i mean look at it look at what's going on now okay he didn't want
0: that it. he didn't want it in, in defense or like he just he wasn't... didn't want it in
1: defense he didn't want okay. it in the playoffs he just didn't want it okay <laughs> that's not going to be the situation lamello ball okay. wants it what you're doing you're not reuniting Dan Tony with James Harden you're reuniting Dan Tony with Steve Nash mm-hmm. that, and he that wanted team it right? almost it's went Steve, to a finals
0: Steve, Steve wanted it right?
1: Steve wanted it for real.
0: Okay, Of course he did. I just wanted to make sure. I didn't know who wanted it and who didn't want it. Um, I Well,
1: listen, you sit me down for a while. I'll tell you who wants it and who doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that's sort of my specialty. It's one of the many hats I wear on this show. I can tell you who wants it and who doesn't want it. But what I'm telling you yeah. is that D'Antoni plus LaMelo Ball would not only be uh, just one of the most electric offenses in the NBA – Dan Tony knows how to win 50, win 50 wins in the NBA in the regular season. That's, I mean, you know, if we're talking about expectations, if you want to go find a coach who can absolutely get your team to the finals, I don't know that that coach really exists in this current crop, but if you want a guy who has experience getting 50 wins in the regular season, positioning a team to to win in the playoffs, win series
0: in the playoffs, then Dan Tony's your guy. I mean, yeah, I I like D'Antoni fine. You're right about him working with LaMelo. That's fun all day and with him working with Steve working with James Harden you got to love the move because a lot of people were really questioning at the time and people don't remember this James Harden wasn't a point guard when he first comes to Houston and then Mike D'Antoni comes in and says we're going to give the basketball to James Harden and we're going to let him do everything and we're going to win because of it and they certainly did in the regular season in the postseason not so much and a lot of that falls on James Harden and they couldn't construct enough at least to move on and continue into the postseason but often Offensively, there's no doubt. Like Mike D'Antoni brings it as much as anybody. The seven seconds or less Suns. What a fun basketball team that was with Steve running things. Amari Stoudemire was a flat-out stud. One of the more fun post players to watch during that time. Just slam it on people. That was an excellent roster too. And then we saw what he did with Houston. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is towards the bottom of my list in this crop. And it, be, it, it some of this is because of defense. And you can talk about like... That that's kind of like a overrated, underrated argument. People love to come with, he's not that great of a defensive coach. So many people who hear that say, well, that's actually not all that true. So that's like a favorite. It's like everybody's favorite 12 seed. They have going to the sweet 16. That argument is the problem is like, we can go to Houston and those defenses were like 16, 17, 18, which if you go to 18, that would only be like what four spots, where the charlotte hornets finished this season yeah it's an improvement but how much can you improve this but they have offense? the number
1: one offense that's what i'm saying i, but, I think the, the net rating higher like the, the win totals are higher yeah, that's yeah. what i'm saying
0: yeah like so the charlotte hornets had a really good offense as well and that clearly wasn't the problem i do think mike D'Antoni's a better coach than james Brego. like i'll welcome him in that regard but here's my problem too like when people point to the houston rockets pretty good defenses that they put out there where they finished top 10 one year. Man, this was all the Jeff Bezdelic defense. And that was an assistant coach that decided to retire because he wanted to spend more time with family. They got off to an awful start the next year defensively. They begged him to come back. He does. And the defense is actually fixed. So the one time that the defense wasn't worse than average It was because of an assistant coach that he hired. If you want to use that as an argument for, hey, at least he's hiring great people, that's true. Go get you another Jeff Bezdelik and maybe we can work something out. But at that point, they're begging for him to come back. This is all documented. Like, you know, and then that's that's the problem with well, in Houston, he actually put together some good defenses. Like, even that Suns team, man, you had Raja Bell over there as a defensive playmaker, too. And like, I, I think I think Amari Sotomayor wasn't a great defensive center. And so some of that can be personnel. I forget some of the other defensive stalwarts that might be on that roster. I, I wouldn't mind Mike D'Antoni. Like I'd I'd be fine with that. For me, Doug, you I just like said it, he was at the
1: bottom of your list. Would you are you are you fine with it, or crop, is he at the bottom of, this, of your list? Of
0: this crop. He's at the bottom of my list on this crop of a good crop You're full of, guys. of crop. I think you are. But like I like the I like these guys. I like Mike D'Antoni fine enough. The problem is I don't want to, well, man, all we have to do is just go that much more in on offense allow our defense to be lackluster as hell and we'll just roll with that to see if we can maybe win a playoff series let's go with somebody that can construct a really good defense Hell, Sean Sweeney man like doing that without a center Hornets don't have a center right now seems pretty good to me that those are some of my thoughts on Mike D'Antoni.
1: Okay, well, I I think you're you're helping me to make my point, which is that like a head coach, that he
0: needs a good assistant coach to get a good defense. Well,
1: that a head coach doesn't solve everything that this team has personnel issues. And yeah, I mean, I think there are plenty of good opportunities for Mike D'Antoni to go out there and find someone uh, to add to his staff to help this this team with defense. But what's going to help this team with defense is Mitch Kupchak actually going out there and providing his head coach with the tools necessary to win. And I'm telling you, Dan Tony is not taking this job in Charlotte if it's offered to him, if there's not some kind of understanding that that's going to happen. I mean, Dan tony has been around the block too many times to come into a situation where he is going to be hamstrung by his roster. I mean, I think that's the, the cruelest thing that happened to James Borrego is that I never really felt like the 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 franchise was was fully give, even attempting to give him a team that could play defensively. At least they tried with Clifford, and it never worked out. They didn't even try with James Borrego. If Tony accepts this job, I feel like it's a sell job for the Hornets. The Hornets aren't going to. You know, I don't think Tony's begging to come head coach the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets have to sell him on it, and I think the big selling point is, hey, Lamelo Ball, you're gonna. You, you, hey, we're giving you another Steve Nash, and number two. Uh, we're, we're going to give you a team that can actually play again—not the best defense in the world, but enough defense to put 48 to 50 wins on the floor regular season. Yeah. Get you to a playoff series. I don't care about NBA championship right now. I want—I want them to win a playoff series. I think D'Antoni can do
0: that. Yeah, the other thing is he's going to be 71 years old on Sunday. So
1: and 71's the new 61. I don't know if you've been reading all is. this research, Walker. I have Anti-aging. It. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's living longer. I don't care about 71. OK, you uh, know what I care about? You know, I, listen, I don't care about 71. I you care, care about, about 50. if he wants it or not. Fifty. Well, he wants it. There's okay. no doubt about that. Here's the number I care about. Five. Mm-hmm. Oh, 50. I want 50 wins again.
0: And, and nobody else can do that, in your opinion. Here, here's my next question before we move <laughs> on to some of the other guys. My, my next I, don't, question, well, I don't know. They haven't my, proven it. They haven't but, proven it, Walker. Right. And Mike D'Antoni, with a roster that didn't have an MVP on it, didn't get 50 wins. He you can know, make so Lamelo. Can he an Can make Lamello an MVP? Maybe. I, yes. I mean, there, there's a possibility of that. But also James Harden, like the the, the good move for Mighty Antonio is he did put James Harden in position to win MVP. Like he was already flirting with it a little bit before he came over there, but he did get him over the hump and Steve Nash did, right? Like my my question too, is we can't just ignore the failures in New York. We can't ignore the failures in with the LA Lakers. And there's a whole decade in between where he experienced his successes. And we're just going to gloss over that. Like you say, a way back when. You're damn right, Doug. It was like 20 years ago that he did Two all Two disaster
1: franchises right now. The New York Knicks and the LA Lakers. Like if he fails with
0: Atlanta, like if he fails,
1: I don't uh, know. I mean, like, I yeah, I'm going to forget it. I'm going to excuse failure how are the Lakers in the places that are then? addicted to failure.
0: Like, yeah. New
1: York I, is addicted to failure.
0: LA is right now addicted to failure. Yeah, right now. Yeah. His Lakers tenure was a decade ago. Like, I mean. <laughs> What are you talking about? I I do the 71 year thing. Like I don't want to hire a coach for, Hey, a few years and then we'll move on. I don't want to do that. If if I'm going to, if I'm going to coach, I want to do that with the intention that he can be there and not be 75 in four years. Like I, that, by the way, he would be maybe the second oldest coach in the NBA at that time. And I just, I don't want that. Greg Popovich, I think, is the oldest, and he's about to hang him up. So
1: I don't know if you we'll can see. hear this uh, beeping truck uh, in the background right now, but that's Michael Jordan uh, backing up the money truck for Mike D'Antoni. It's happening. I'm telling you. Book it. Write it down. Mike D'Antoni, 50 wins, 5-0. That's the only number that matters. That's what's happening.
0: Okay. All right. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets <laughs> podcast regarding the coaching search for this franchise. You should be backing up the Brinks truck and spending it all on built bars because they are that good summer is coming and with summer you're going to need some food on the go built bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations throw them in your bags and your Kids, backpacks, make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. I think Mike D'Antoni eats Built Bars to make sure that he can continue to coach into his 80s, and if he can do that, then maybe he can be the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. Go to Built.com. get all your favorites, banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, so many more. They're all delicious, and they also have the new flavors coming out of the time check them out too at built.com go to built.com use promo code lock 15 and get 15% off your order use promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com sean sweeney kenny atkinson darvin ham how would those guys look with the Charlotte Hornets. We'll talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Mitch Kupchak has outright told us that they probably got a little ahead of themselves with this playoff mandated season. And that interview that he had with Sam Farber, he's like, you know, we probably were a little too froggy at the beginning and we felt really good. Did he say froggy? Did he he really drop a froggy? I said froggy. I was, he didn't say that quote unquote, but I have to. I have to imagine he was feeling that in his soul.
1: I was. <laughs> I would be. I would be really surprised if Mitch Kupchak threw in a
0: froggy. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. As always, thanks for making listen every day, make sure to go check out Locked on NBA Big Board too. host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Tolan, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and of course, other big boards. It's free and it's available wherever you get your podcast. All right, Doug, you've made it clear Mike D'Antoni is number one on your wish list. So out of the other guys listed here, Kenny Atkinson, uh, Sean Sweeney, as well as Darvin Ham, what is the name that comes up second on your wish list?
1: Uh, I'm going to answer your question, but first I just want to say that my throat right now feeling a little froggy because you and I uh, we're really embracing debate in that first segment. I appreciate it. We went back and forth. It was fiery. It was spicy. I, mean, uh, I just want to make sure spicy. you're, are we wasn't okay? Like, are we okay? We've,
0: we've certainly had worse and, and spicier debates than that.
1: Uh, but both of them revolved around food, not basketball. But, uh, you know, well, what I'm jelly. saying, I just want to make sure you're OK, because now that we've had this debate, mm. it goes to the listeners. It goes to the YouTube commenters. They are going to be the no. ones that ultimately <laughs> decide <laughs> no, but who is wrong, wrong so much. and who
0: is right. No. Don't, don't don't go to the YouTube comments. Or...
1: Yeah, that's right. I want you to comment ah. on YouTube and and tell Walker why he's wrong.
0: Mm. Doug Doug is Doug loves Not to embrace. Chaos. Yes, Doug loves to embrace chaos. Now I'm mad. You asked if I was angry. Now I'm angry. Okay. okay. Um, uh, the answer to your I'm question. Mad, yeah, what's your question? What's
1: I your question? I enjoy Sean Sweeney's resume. I talked to Nick Angstead of the. Locked On Mavericks podcast, and he told me that uh, Sweeney is generally regarded as the one responsible for turning around the Dallas Mavericks defense that was not so good and was costing them playoff wins and is now uh, getting them playoff wins. Uh, so I love that. Um, Darvin Ham, again, it's kind of same situation, generally regarded well in all of those categories that the Hornets need. Um, but, but I wonder, you know... Could you convince one of those uh, guys in the interview process? Hey, you know we hired D'Antoni. He's seventy-one. He's probably not going to spend a decade here. You join up with D'Antoni. We form a little coaching super team, and all of a sudden, Sean Sweeney's the you know head coach, or Darvin Ham's a head coach. You know, before, I don't know. But if you're telling me which one of these guys am I am I leaning towards, I would say Kenny Atkinson for sure because he has the head coaching experience. I'm not trying to mess around, Walker.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's funny though. Like the thing that Kenny Atkinson did that is most notable is get that team to a playoff appearance, where they won 42 games. <laughs> and that, and that, if if, if you'll recall, but he's got all, the
1: experience, is what I'm saying. It, it,
0: If if you'll recall, we're going to do we're coming
1: up. There's an interview. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've already done it. Spoiler alert. Take you behind the curtain. We've already done the interview with Adam Armbrecht. And I think he brings up a lot of interesting points about Kenny Atkinson, about his personality, about his demeanor, about his general philosophy towards things that I think would be the perfect reaction and would shake up this team in a way that they need to be shaken
0: up. Yeah. So for me, we're kind of going opposites here. You want a guy that has actually been a head coach in the NBA. Before. Yeah. I mean, imagine that. Um, yeah, I know. It's kind of weird. I, you can go off of it if you want to. Like you can come <laughs> over to the right side and go with somebody that has actually some limitless potential. You you look at the unknown being a bad thing. I look at it as being a good thing. I I just in sports, I usually hate, and this is true here, rehashing old coaches where we know what they've done in the past Mike D'Antoni with MVPs on his roster and a really brilliant offensive mind like I again he's a good coach when he's had some good talent around him like at not let's not get it twisted when he's had exceptional talent around him he's proven that he can get to the conference finals and he hasn't moved past that but it's hard to blame him for what happened with Golden State because they had a- super team. And in fact, you might even give them credit because they were as close as anybody to knocking off a Kevin Durant, Steph Curry led team. Like I, there was some success with Dan Tony being there with the Suns. They never could quite get over that hump. Um, and that's, what's tough, but I would to go, I want to go with a Darvin ham or a Sean Sweeney. Um, you know, I, I'd be interested in Quinn Snyder to be honest with you. Like if I'd if be that, interested in Quinn Snyder as yeah, well. Yeah. And that that's one where maybe, you know, why we can meet in the Venn diagram, right? Where the coaching experience, the non-coaching experience, maybe I can come over there and welcome a Quinn Snyder, but Darvin Ham and Sean Sweeney, I'm really enticed. Like, I, I think what Ham has done being alongside Budenholzer, who I very much so respect as a head coach being with him over like, a, like at least close to a decade. I want that knowledge. I want to take some of that. And I want to take some of that philosophy, play random. Uh, Mike Booneholzer staple. I want him to come in and implement a defense that can help out. And then Sean Sweeney, he is viewed, as you mentioned, talking with Nick Angstad, the sole architect of that defense, improving night and day with the Dallas Mavericks. And here's what's also interesting, Doug. Hopefully we're not in this situation where we don't have a center next year. Mitch Kupchak. Has to get somebody that is competent mm-hmm. defensively with this team, mm-hmm. but Sean Sweeney was the architect of that defense where they don't have a great big guy like it, that if if worse comes to worse, and he comes over here with the hornets, he's proven that he can create a good defense without this defensive stalwart down low. Love like it. for me, love that's it. enticing.
1: love it, lead assistant, wink, wink, and a couple of years, one of these eh, eh, eh. Little wink, wink. In a couple of years, when D'Antoni's <laughs> got to walk away, pull Larry Brown. Essentially, that's just what this is all about. By the way, Walker is just scared. This is a Larry Brown
0: situation. I, you know, I, I you, can, you, can you think of two polar opposite guys than than Larry Brown? And, it would be and it would be a bizarro Larry Brown. At least, at least Brown. same situation. Guess,
1: yeah. Same situation where an old guy comes in and gets you to a certain place, and then you know can't mm. get you any further, and they got to walk away. Okay. The, what about what I'm well, saying? Let me
0: let me ask you this question. What mm-hmm. about Mike D'Antoni's lead assistant? because no. we've seen him have success. Look, here's here's what because here's why I want the head coaching experience
1: in in the lead mm. chair. Because you've got a core group of young players that have played together for a few years. And what scares me is that you have someone, and I'm not saying, I don't know enough about Sweeney or Ham to say that they would come in and do this, but what scares me is they would come in and say, all right, this is my first head coaching gig. I'm going to really stamp my imprint on this team. I'm going to come in and change everything, and we're going to do it my way or the highway. Whereas I think Dan Toney would have, he's he's coached, Superstar talent before. I think he's going to have some recognition of like, hey, I got to figure this team out, and and then and then you know, but th- but he doesn't have to do any work in terms of convincing Miles Bridges or Lamelo Ball that he has the credentials. Like if 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 Dan Tony says, hey, this is how we win fifty wins. If if Lamelo Ball and Miles Bridges and PJ Washington have any kind of emotional intelligence, they're going to go. That makes sense to me. I mean, this guy's won fifty games multiple times. He would know. And 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 so that's why I think I'm scared of the not head coaching experience and why I gravitate towards a D'Antoni in particular with that head coaching experience.
0: Yeah, and, and look. Case it, dismissed. It would be fun. LaMelo Ball and Mike D'Antoni. There's no doubt it would be fun to see what he could do with that point guard. A couple of point guard whisperers, per se. And coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Hump in- we're almost there. We're or going to talk matter. about maybe the next point guard whisperer with Kenny Atkinson, possibly providing that example, who could be the next head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. We talked with Adam Armbrecht of the Locked On Nets podcast. But first, I want to give you a message from Camp Lejeune. For listeners who served in or worked for the United States Marine Corps or have family or friends you might have, I wanted to notify you of an available resource. From 1953 to 1987, personnel assigned to Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune were potentially exposed to contaminated drinking water. The Marine Corps has since partnered with health agencies to conduct scientific studies to assess impacts from these potential exposures, and they are working to keep those Marines, their families, and civilian employees Informed with updates and resources available to them. If you were someone you know may have been at Camp Lejeune during those years, please consider registering with the Camp Lejeune Historic Drinking Water Notification Database. You can learn more and register at www.marines.mil/clwater. That's www.marines.mil/clwater. Adam Armbrecht of the Locked On Nets podcast joins us next to talk about Kenny Atkinson. This is Locked On Hornets. 10, Al Jefferson. 9, Anthony Mason. Master! 8, Gerald Wallace. 7, Baron Davis. 6, Dale Curry. 5, Glenn Rice. 4, Muggsy Bogues. 3, Larry Johnson. 2, Alonzo Morning. Nice. Number one, top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. Woo! Thank you, everybody. The list Ow. is done. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast, where we now discuss one of the coaching candidates that maybe could be the next head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. That's Kenny Atkinson the former assistant, hope maybe former assistant with Golden State, also former wow, assistant. Wow, you're already firing Clipper. him. You're already Look, making move fire- on. I don't Jeez. know if I'm firing him so much as promoting him to a head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, but he did used to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets a few years back. And to talk more about that, we welcome Adam Armbrecht of the Locked On Nets podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, um uh, at Adam Armbrecht. Uh, excuse me, at Adam Armbrecht. I'm already butchering this. Adam, how are you doing today?
2: It's all good, man. Nobody, a German last name is just no way to be in the media. I think it's a mistake. And if I could change it, I would, but I just feel like, you know, it it, it was given to me. So I try to stand by, but I'm good guys. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. And we
0: are going to do a better job of pronouncing your last name, Um, Kenny Atkinson, somebody I think is kind of a favorite among a lot of the fan base here. A lot of people like what he did with the Nets when they were able to get to the postseason. Now there's a lot of decent names out there that the Charlotte Hornets are interested in right now. But Kenny Atkinson, again, one of the guys that I think a lot of people would be happy with. What was your take on his tenure with the Nets when he had his four year run with that franchise?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Kenny was brought in by Sean Marks and and he's still very well regarded in the organization. And you looked at it as a coach that was going to maximize the value of a young team in a transitional period. Right. Um, The hard part is trying to examine what he accomplished there. Relative to what expectations were, this is a roster that was filled with, with young talent. This is the, the beginning of getting Joe Harris off the, the Cleveland Cavaliers scrap heap, the Spencer Dinwiddie's of the world, D'Angelo Russell off of his, what felt like could have been career bottoming out in the LA Lakers system. He comes over and reclamates his reputation as well. So there's a lot of positives but the drawback would be when you look inside the season records, it didn't necessarily get the job done, especially when you're talking about the Charlotte Hornets, a team that I think has expectations of trying to push into that playoff picture with consistency.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you go back to the 42 and 40 season where the Nets get into the postseason, the Nets, they were down bad, right? could and figure out they, they couldn't tank because you couldn't get your own draft picks because they were all going to the Boston Celtics and because of that it you had to manufacture talent in different ways and you mentioned some of the moves that they made and it was really an excellent job and then Atkinson kind of developed this uh, I guess had this reputation to develop some of that talent on the roster even more so I don't know if people remember the 28 and 34 season that. T- took place with the 62 games right afterwards. And so what happened there, Adam, where it looked like there was some kind of build, and then he has the losing season in the 62 games he coached with Brooklyn. And then, of course, I think his exit, a lot of people attributed that to Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving not wanting him so to be that head coach.
2: Yeah, ultimately, his departure from the team came down to what the Nets were trying to accomplish. Build yourself up to a point where you're attractive for some of the bigger names in the league. They did that, and now we see how that's still a bit of a work in progress as well. But when it comes to Kenny Atkinson and his tenure, so the, the positives are, I think what happens as far as from a burnout factor is ultimately he he's a, I don't want to misframe this, he's a rah-rah guy. He's a player's coach, a young player's coach. He maximizes what you get out of young talent. Um, You saw him do this with certain players, even some of the veterans like the Damari Carrolls of the world. We saw just before Brooke Lopez was moved, spent the last season in Brooklyn developing the outside shot, right? So he's known for creating perimeter shooters out of players that at least have baseline skill sets. He's known for maximizing young talent, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, right? But but there is a ceiling to what he's able to do with them. The hard part, when you look at some of these players, like D'Angelo Russell, he went on to improve his game further. Now with the Timberwolves, Spencer Dinwiddie rose to a level and when him got himself a big payday, we know what Brooke Lopez has meant, obviously to the Milwaukee Bucks in their championship run. So can he be integral in developing and extending the talent of a player? Yes, but can he maximize the usage of them? Can he maximize the X's and O's aspect of that and put them in a winning position? Because regardless of where you looked at the Brooklyn Nets in that final 62 game run for Kenny, I would say that they were underachieving at that point. Now, now there's things that are happening in the background for the franchise, but you still, I, I would have preferred to see that this is a coach that's trending towards making the playoffs again. And it wasn't going to make a difference for bringing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but I think it made a difference for what Kenny was able to do leaving Brooklyn and having to take a step back, go to the Clippers, then go to Golden State and reconnect with Steve Kerr there and try to resurrect his head coaching profile, which maybe he's done here for Charlotte.
1: And I think one of the things that excites a lot of Hornets fans is that he has this reputation as the point guard whisperer uh, he turned Aaron Brooks in Houston into the NBA's most improved player he worked with Jeremy Lynn prior to Lynn's sanity he worked in Atlanta with Jeff Teague and turned Jeff Teague into to a really good player for a while there and I think a lot of people you know look at the situation with LaMelo ball and say yes he is on the superstar trajectory but he's going to you know still need um, some some guidance there on what really you know makes an NBA point guard take it to that next Next, next, next level. Uh, what did you see in, did you see anything in his tenure with the nets that, that lived up to that reputation as point guard whisperer?
2: Yeah. I mean, listen again, mentioned name like Spencer Dan right. He falls into the guard role, not pure point guard. Um, but look at D'Angelo Russell. I think the best thing that Kenny brings to that specific position is saying, you need to play controlled basketball. Those big moments are going to come. And D'Angelo Russell had some really big shots over his time with the Brooklyn Nets. But you also need to be setting the tempo for this team, the pace of the offense. You need to be willing to make the right basketball decision and allow those around you to flourish, knowing that your spots are going to come. Right. And so I I think that he can impact ball in that way and make him a leader. I mean, listen, again, D'Angelo Russell went from being a guy. Where was he going to end up? to then being looked at as someone that you could bring into a team like Minnesota and say, you can have success here. You can actually be a veteran leader for this team. And maybe there is that leap that ball can take where he establishes himself that much further. The, the push and pull, if we're just being honest here is, is this team and the Hornets already beyond what Kenny Atkinson would bring to the table, right? Because now you're talking about like, we want to make the playoffs and then we want to be successful in the playoffs. Right? So, um, I think dis- we would
1: take just making the playoffs at this
2: point. Well, so, you know, so that's, that's what's interesting, right? So expectation wise, if that's the expectation, Hey, we want to maximize the value of our young players. We want to improve some of our very talented players. And then we want to be in the playoff picture. Kenny can do that for you. The question is going to be co- going to become, he gets you there next year. Okay. What does year number two look like? Right. And what does year number three look like? Now that, that comes down to roster construction and, and who the Hornets are able to bring in to complement the players that they already have. Um, but, but I wonder what the ceiling is for Kenny. Maybe that's, maybe that's the biggest thing that I would say in terms of the the pause button is what is his ceiling? Because the next coach you bring in for the Hornets, you probably want this to be the coach that's there for a long tenure right and does kenny feel like that guy when you see how he cycled through in atlanta cycled through in brooklyn and found himself on coaching staffs and he's well regarded by the way see kerr speaks highly of him greg popovich speaks very highly of him as well so he's a very well respected coach not just a figurehead by any stretch of the imagination a very well respected,
1: but he also has a, a little bit of a reputation of being crazy, uh, a zealot, a nut. Uh, Jeff Teague told a story about him going out uh, barefoot at the gym at 6 a.m., putting up shots. There's stories about him staying up all night, uh, watching film. Uh, you know, he looks... I was looking up his, well, I was looking up to see his actual basketball playing career. He stopped playing basketball in 2004 internationally. I'm like, this, that kid, that can't be possible. He looks 70 years old. Like, I mean, it's no, it's no offense. He just looks like he's worked really <laughs> hard and he he's actually like 50 something years old. Um, but, but any good, uh, stories about his time with the Nets where he was a little bit nutty?
2: Um, I, I, the running joke with him was always the hair gel. Um, This is a guy that when the tip off went up, it looked like he had been sweating profusely on the sidelines. It was just gel. And it did seem to increase from day one when he was introduced as the head coach with Sarah Kustak and the big introduction, it looked like some product, a little bit of product and then it just built gradually. And I think the big concern, if he does get hired as the Hornets coach is, I mean, I don't know if this plays a big role, but is some of that product seeping into his eyes as he's he sweating see. on the sideline, right? As he's battling the referees and does it seep into his brain ultimately? I'm not sure <laughs> if that means one way or the other, but I mean, a lot of the players, they did have some fun with him on the sidelines around it. He just had that that stereotypical, I guess you could say East Coast Jersey kind of vibe. Um, but no, listen, I, I think the players believe that he was intense and that was most of it. The guy brought the barefoot shooting jump shots in the gym kind of intensity to things which makes him a bit of a character and i again there's a lot of coaches here i think charlotte is an attractive job and, and that's that this is why i push the pause button on, on giving my full endorsement of kenny atkinson i think you're gonna find there's a few more coaches with better track records and reputations that say they've, they've proven it to a higher level than kenny and maybe you'd you'd rather do with some without some of those antics around this particular position.
1: Well, I mean, and, you know, if you look at all of these coaching changes or general manager changes, so many times the higher ends up being a reaction to the fire. Yep. And so I, I think if that's the case, then Kenny Atkinson is the perfect reaction in that, you know, Borrego brought a cool, calm, collected. We're going to deal with everything in house kind of attitude and I think Kenny represents a little bit would represent a little bit of a reaction to that where there is an intensity there's a fire that I've said all last season was missing from this team at times so you know that just like we've got to go out there we've got to hold each other accountable not just say things but do things that kind of intensity I'll also say Walker is an expert with the product I keep it all natural this is all this is yeah. all natural, now, baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, except
0: I don't. I hate the wet look, though. Like that look that you're talking about your with little Kenny dry Atkinson, product. I get. Yeah, you know, we use all dry. We use a little bit to make it look a little bit crazy, and we are not slicking that thing back. I mean, Kenny Atkinson, you are. you are putting a lot on it. You're going the LA looks dad style extreme hold and you are dumping half a bottle on your head each. I bet it's one of those things where you open up the cabinet and there are 10 LA looks bottles in his cabinet right now. (laughs) As we speak,
2: I gotta be honest with you as someone who has Irish and German and Italian in my background, it's a very delicate, Get balance of walking out the door, going. You're sending out some vibes, depending on how much of what you put into your hair. Uh, So I obviously always keep an eye on it from that standpoint. Um, One last thing I will say, if we're just just I don't want to end on a on a uh, basketball related note. Who wants to do that? But uh, Kenny also was really good with minute shares he played. Everybody got about 30 minutes. And he acknowledged as, as D'Angelo Russell was developing, Hey, we got to look to utilize him more. I mean, ball's not going to fall prey to ah, we only gave him 30, 31 minutes, but he'll maximize what the value of every player on the roster is. And I think sometimes Ooh. when you're the the back end of the, the playoff picture, when you know, listen, we don't have three superstars, right? We need everyone to play their role. He's going to find the niche for these guys and then look to utilize them as best as possible. So I think maximum Thank you. Maximizing every player that you have available. That's going to be something that Kenny brings to the table. And that can be in the margins, getting you those three or four wins that talks yeah. about playing game scenarios. So wow, uh, it, that, that's a plus for him. Yeah. It, it's fans, enough fans, fans are going to want fans are going to fans are going to
1: want yeah. whoever is the next head coach to maximize LaMelo balls minutes. They want him yes. to play a lot.
0: Well, not even LaMelo, just some of the other players. It was my biggest problem with Borrego and Kenny Atkinson. If that's something, if that's a selling point for him, then pretty enticing me. So there we go. Talking about Kenny Atkinson with Adam Armbrecht of the Locked On Nets podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Armbrecht. Adam, thanks so much, man. This was great. Really, uh, really appreciate your time.